Friday, May 28th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, the Indians won three out of four in Detroit, uh, came back on Thursday after a disappointing loss Wednesday, and uh, they had Shane Bieber, and uh, really, uh, most of the time, Shane Bieber against the Detroit Tigers, that's all you really need. Uh, Bieber was excellent, 12 strikeouts and in seven innings. And, and really, uh, as Tito said, he, he looked more like Shane Bieber yesterday. Yeah, definitely. You know, the first inning was a little shaky, Joe. I think he walked two guys. And, um, you know, that, those were the problems he was having, you know, the, in his previous two starts. And uh, come the second inning, he started, you know, the Tigers started swinging and missing, and he started piling up the strikeouts. And, and like you said, he had, uh, you know, finished with 12. He regained the uh, MLB lead in strikeouts and uh, more importantly, he won a game and, uh, and the Indians, you know, supported him with, uh, you know, just enough offense, but, uh, you know, they finally came through with a big inning late in the game. And uh, it was a good way to wrap up that series because, you know, losing one, nothing to the Tigers the night before was, was not a good sign, but so, you know, right now they come, they come home with a little momentum. They're what, 27 and 21. Um, and, uh, you know, they've got a, got an interesting homestand here with Toronto and the White Sox. Yeah. They, they, they were able to keep pace with the White Sox as well. Uh, not lose, uh, too much if any ground in the AL central, uh, division, uh, as it looks like now, uh, Kansas city has sort of rebounded a little bit and, uh, Minnesota still, uh, still struggling to figure things out on, on their end, but, for the Indians to get Shane Bieber, I, I believe he, he retired something like 11 straight at one point uh, over a stretch, and and just for him to be in that rhythm, it was it was really good to see because uh, we hadn't seen that in the last couple of starts out of him. Yeah, and he threw uh, I, surprisingly, Joe. You know, when you look at his pitch breakdown, he threw more more breaking more curveballs than fastballs, and uh, 45 curveballs, I think the knuckle curve, whatever you know, I think that's what he throws. And, uh, you know, 35 fastballs and, you know, through cutters and change-ups. Um, but uh, so he said he's been, you know, he hadn't thrown the curveball that much the last time out. He'd been working on it. And, you know, he'd been working on this. You could tell he, he put a lot of work in between starts. I think he was just searching, you know, whatever the reason was for that kind of bump in the road. It looks like, uh, you know, he found, he found the reason. And he got into a good uh, rhythm, like you said, with – hedges and uh you know just went from there yeah that old philosophy seems to work uh you know across the board for a lot of the indians pitchers but particularly for a guy like shane bieber who's who's got you know plus stuff uh when it comes to the breaking pitches uh your best pitch throw your best pitch as, as often as you can and that really is what what he you know sort of did uh the slider he talked about you know working a little bit on the slider as well that's the the pitch that sort of has given him fits for the last maybe two seasons but uh you know just being able to find it just enough to to be able to to change things up and move to the different quadrants and have your have your breaking pitches move in different directions and still sort of tunnel and look the same uh that that's the key for him and and, and against that tigers lineup he was able to do that yeah you know t- takes a no hitter into the seventh of course he loses it you know two pitches into the seventh but I was almost, you know, I was thinking, if you're thinking along with Frank Kona there, you know, you know, this guy is, you know, you, you know, he got squeezed a little bit in, in uh, April. You, you, 
they 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 worked him hard for a, a lot of pitches. He was at like I think 83, 85 pitches going into the eighth, uh, or in the seventh, I should say. And are you you're sitting there thinking, you know, do we real, you know, what if this guy, you know, gets gets into the eighth, gets through the eighth with a no hitter, and what's his pitch count going to be? Uh, you know, so you're you're playing that game, I think, with the manager. And I was just uh, you were almost, you know, I, I I'm sitting in the in the press box sitting sitting there. You're you're almost relieved he gives up a hit. You know, and then and then okay. You know, the, I, think the we're re- I think we're relieved most of the time they give up a hit, so that we don't yeah, yeah. we don't have to you start know. digging up the uh, all the uh, the facts about no hitters and stuff. But no, uh, I, I I agree with you. I think that and Tito actually you know talked about uh, the pitch count and and being a little uh, you know being aware of it. I guess yeah. uh, you, you never want to take something away from a, a guy like no. Bieber as as he's going out there and 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 Tito would uh, I I don't think Tito would pull a guy like. No. The, the situation a couple of years ago with Bauer when he was in the fifth inning and he had a no hitter going, but he was up to a hundred and you know, 20 some pitches. Uh, I think that's different. Out five guys. He was like all over the place. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think in that situation, uh, cooler heads would have prevailed had he made it to the eighth inning and been up yeah. over a hundred pitches, but. And that's your race too. And you don't want to do, you know, you don't want to, you know, take your ace out of there, but. If you're looking down the road, I mean, just the way Carl uh, uh, Carl Willis was talking the you know about three or four days ago, you know, or whenever we talked to him the last time, you know, he I, you could tell that there was I think there was some just a little bit of concern that, that he was throwing a lot of pitches and you know back to back games and and they they really we got we got to have this guy for the you know for 162 here so you know sometimes you know. Bieber didn't get the no hitter, but sometimes, you know, that, that, that works out as well. Right. Well, uh, another player that showed up was Eddie Rosario coming through with a couple of big hits in the game, including a two run home run. Uh, good to see uh, Eddie sort of producing a little bit more power as well uh, on this, uh, on that road trip to Detroit in the, in the four games, I think he had what, six, seven hits, a uh, handful of RBIs you know, starting to maybe come out of it and starting to look like the Eddie Rosario that, that Francona expected him to be at the start of the season. Yeah. I think he's got like a seven game hitting streak going, uh, you know, it, and it's weird, you know, you watch power hitters sometimes and how they come out of things. And uh, some guys, you know, do it with, you know, they hit a single, they hit an infield hit, they, you know, they hit one the opposite way and it, it takes little things to get them going. And uh, you know, yesterday, uh, you know, Rosario hits a two-run homer in, in the sixth, and he has an RBI double in, in the ninth. And, uh, you know, but before that, you know, that was his first home run since May 3rd. That was only his fourth homer of, of the season. We just haven't seen him swing the bat like, you know, like he's been advertised to do or like we saw him with uh, the Twins. So, uh, you know, that was a welcome sign, and uh, they certainly need it with, with Reyes out, not in the middle of that lineup. Right, because, you know, as far as the guys that they've got to sort of replace, I don't want to say replace, but, you know, at least hitting the spots for uh, Framo Reyes aren't necessarily big home run guys. I mean, Owen Miller's not a home run guy. Uh, he's uh, He'll pile up hits and he'll, he'll have some doubles and, you know, some extra base hits, but, you know, don't expect him to be going, uh, no. you know, throwing up, you know, multiple home run games or anything like that. And uh, Harold Ramirez has the ability to hit the ball out of the park. Uh, it's they're they're more uh, in love with the the fact that he hits with two strikes 
and puts the ball in play and, you know, hits the ball to the right side uh, as well. I mean, this is a guy who's, who's done that in his career. He does have the ability to hit in the, in the four hole and, and be a cleanup hitter. Uh, the Marlins were looking at him to do that uh, at the start of the 2020 season. And that's a team that had Jesus Aguilar and, and Corey Dickerson and, you know, uh, Starling Marte as, as well. So, you know, uh, there's, there's options there, I guess, but not really anybody who's sort of stepped forward yet to take over that, that sort of middle of the lineup cleanup role for the Indians. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, they're kind of mixing and matching. And uh, what, what Frank going to say, if, if uh, Rosario wants to get hot, we'll let him get hot. You know, we certainly need that. And uh, you know, he's, he's got the track record. I mean, what he's got over 40 home runs the last two years, maybe, maybe not more than, more than 40, but close to it with the twins. So, you know, that's the guy, uh, you know, that you want hitting in the middle of the lineup. I mean, I, and I think, you know, he's, he's played against lefties and righties. Uh, so, uh, you know, he kind of turned him loose and if he, you know, they need him to, uh, you know, drive in some runs right now. And, and uh, you know, and Ramirez, Jose Ramirez, you know, I like that combination of the Jose hitting with Harold Ramirez hitting behind him. You know, it seemed to work really well yesterday. They, they scored a couple runs. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, Ramirez is the kind of hitter, or Ho Harold Ramirez is the kind of hitter that, you know, is going to hit behind a runner or maybe can drive, you know, drive the ball down the line in the gap to get a double, uh, you know, extra base hit and use Ramirez, Jose Ramirez's speed to, to score or get into scoring position. Well, now, and if that doesn't, seem to work out what are what are some of the options the Indians are going to have because you know they might be looking at roster moves to to add a bat if Jordan Luplo uh, has to go on the injured list with uh, an ankle that's been sort of nagging him for the last couple of days the Indians are are really uh sort of in a weird spot not just with their rotation right now but with uh guys getting hit on the hand uh Ahmed Rosario had to miss the last couple of games with a, a bruised hand uh, Harold Ramirez has a, a blood blister on his finger because of getting hit by a pitch. Uh, Luplo has the, the, the twisted ankle that sort of limited him. Uh, really, this, this roster right now is in a sort of a, a state of flux. Could there be a, a move upcoming to, to sort of add a bat from Columbus? Yeah, uh, I, think that, I think they will. You know, they added Zimmer, obviously, Bradley Zimmer from, uh, you know, Columbus for uh, yes or uh, Thursday's game they needed because Luplo, you know, uh, Francona admitted, you know, Luplo couldn't move well on that, you know, that that game deciding double on uh, on uh, Wednesday night. He said uh, if, if Luplo had been healthy with his left ankle, he may have caught that ball. Um, so I think, yeah, Joe, you in our when we were discussing the podcast, what we were going to talk about, you hit the nail on the head that you know, if they do make a move, it's probably going to be Luplo and, and going on the uh, the IL and uh, they'll bring up somebody, another, maybe an outfielder. I don't know. I, you know, they'll have to make, well, I mean, he could be, you know, they, they've got to make a move to, uh, to uh, get Eli Morgan on the lineup uh, right. so he can pitch tonight. So maybe that's, that's the move where they put Luplo on the IL and, and, and bring up uh, Morgan. Yeah. And, and they could also maybe even look at a, a, a Bobby Bradley as a, as an option at DH, if they can, you know, bring somebody up there, but uh, who knows, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the, what the moves are. Uh, it's pretty soon, actually, we should be getting word uh, if there are going to be any. Uh, yeah, there, was and, a, there was a tweet last night that Bradley, uh, 
was scratched from uh, Columbus's lineup, you know, before the start of the game, you know, the, the speculation was that he was getting called up, but, you know, I, I called around and uh, I, from what I heard, it was, he was just getting a day off, but, or a night off, I should say, but who knows, you know, we'll, we'll see. Certainly they could certainly use a middle of the order bat right now, but, and it's not like uh, they've got a really a, a legitimate DH, you know, I mean, right. Is uh you know, so, I mean, he could fill Ramirez's spot that, I mean, uh, Reyes's, Reyes's spot yeah. that way. There's never been a better time to register for Indian subtext and get all your Cleveland Indians news with updates from Cleveland.com reporters Paul Hoynes and Joe Noga. Get on board now by going to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians. Our subscriber-based service gives you the latest news, analysis, and more from the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing from the team and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone, even before it's up on cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions and opinions on everything from the team's name to that day's lineup. And it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why sign up? Hear from one of our subscribers. I'm uh, Jeff Heinerson. I grew up there in Milan, Ohio, but I now live out in Idaho. I've been here for 40 years and uh, my son was born and raised here and I got him as a birthday present, uh, your subtext. And I wanted to thank Paul for sending him a birthday greeting and to tell you that he is really enjoying the subtext. He even He's not from Ohio, but because he grew up with me, he's hardcore. Indian fan, so thanks again. Jeff and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the Indians, and the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians, or better yet, text Hoinsey at 216-208-4346. Again, that's 216-208-4346. We look forward to hearing from you on Indian subtext. Uh, you mentioned Eli Morgan, uh, the youngster is going to make his major league debut. If the weather cooperates, uh, tonight, uh, for the Indians against the Toronto Blue Jays, right-hander Eli Morgan, not a very big guy, 5'10", 190 pounds, uh, doesn't throw too hard. Maybe, maybe can touch the, the mid nineties with his fastball. Maybe, uh, really what Eli Morgan relies on is pinpoint command and, and, uh, an above grade uh, changeup, which I guess once they, if that's working, uh, he's as, as unhittable as anybody. He gets strikeout after strikeout at the minor league level since 2018. Uh, he's the, the minor league leader um, among, or he's a, I'm sorry, he's among the minor league leaders in strikeouts with more than 300. Uh, this is from a guy who's, you know, not built like a power pitcher to, to pile up those kind of numbers. Uh, so interesting to see what they're able to get out of Eli Morgan. Uh, he didn't start the season with uh, AAA. He was back in Arizona rehabbing a forearm strain. And as he joined the, uh, the minor league uh, uh, alternate site in Columbus, uh, sort of got going. And he's, uh, he's off to a pretty decent start there down in Columbus. He, he had one like rough outing and then, I believe his last outing, he was six innings, two hits, and and looked pretty good. Yeah, six scoreless innings against Toledo in his last start. Um, great changeup, from what I've heard. You know, and like you said, Joe, he's, he was hurt. He came to he came to spring training with the big league club. He was added to the forty man in November. 
and uh, came to spring training, you know, hurt basically. I think he probably had, had worked, you know, overworked himself during the, during the winter to get ready for camp and came with the, the strained forearm and uh, was really didn't pitch at all very much with the big league club at all. I think I, I saw him when I was there, I saw him pitch the ninth inning of a game, I think against Texas. Uh, and that, that was about it. That, that might've been his only, uh, you know, only, uh, uh, you know, only uh, inning or two inning of, of work with the big league club. And so, uh, you know, obviously they're, they've, you know, they're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here. <laughs> but, I mean, no, no disrespect to uh, Eli Morgan, but you know, who else, you know, Scott Moss is hurt. Uh, Logan Allen, I guess I heard it's hurt. You know, those guys are both on uh, drawing programs at Columbus. Uh, you know, they've already got Tristan McKenzie on the uh, yo-yo, you know, he pitched Wednesday very well. And then he's going to pitch again, Monday, again, in the doubleheader against the White Sox. So, you know, all of a sudden, you know, all their pitching, their pitching is kind of banged up. And uh, so we're going to have to see how uh, Morgan goes. And we got, uh, they've got, uh, what, uh, Mejia too, Giancarlos Mejia. And uh, maybe he piggybacks tonight with, uh, with Morgan. What do you think? Yeah, that, that, that's certainly a possibility. He's performed well in terms of, you know, coming out of the bullpen and, and sort of mop up duty the last couple of times he's, he's been able to ha have an appearance for the major league club. Uh, as far as Morgan goes, you know, who knows the, the, the profile sort of, it sounds like what, you know, what a young Shane Bieber looked like back in 2018 when he came up, uh, you know, pinpoint command is what he relies on, not an overwhelming fastball. And then he sort of grew into his fastball Bieber did, you know, over the last couple of years, but that command never goes away. If you're, if you're doing things right, maybe Morgan, you know, comes up and, and, and sticks He's at least going to get what two starts with the yeah. with the Indians because uh, Tito said there's a there's a stretch coming up where they get like a couple of off days, uh, you know, like two off days out of three or something like that uh, after next Thursday. But that's six days away, so you, you know you figure the rotation. He's he's got to pitch at least twice when he's up here. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, you usually you you know you. He reminds me uh, kind of the same size as uh, Savali. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Bieber's a little bigger. Usually, you know, scouts love, they don't like little, you know, small, smallish. I'm not, you know, 5'10 right-handers. You know, if you're a 5'10 lefty, you can pitch, you know, for 20 years. But, if you know, you like, scouts love 6'5 right-handers, you know, that throw, they can throw, you know, 100 miles an hour. And he's he's a little, like you said, Joe, what's he, 5'10 190 pounds. So, yeah, you, you know, maybe, so, maybe he's more of a Savali type, or we'll see. I mean, Savali is that's, I, you know, I, I, I might, I'm not sure exactly how big Savali is, but he's not. I think Savali is over six foot. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so you heard it here first, Hoynes. He says, uh, bottom the barrel, uh, small <laughs> guy, uh, uh, Eli Morgan. So don't, don't even think twice about him. So uh, when, when he comes out and throws the Indians, yeah. first no-hitter in 40 years, Hoinsey, we'll uh, yeah. be sure to we'll Eli Morgan, I'm not on. He, he, he's not going to want to talk to me or he might want to punch <laughs> me in the nose if I ever see – if I ever interview a player face-to-face -face again, if we ever get in there, Joe. Uh, well, we're getting closer. Sources say that we're getting closer. Hey, uh, I wanted to mention Terry Francona's 700th win as Indians manager. Uh, he's in the top three. He's only what, uh, he's only 
a few away from Mike Hargrove in, in second place now, right? Yeah, I mean, he's like 28, I think he's 28 wins away from, you know, becoming the all-time uh, winningest manager in franchise history. You know, Frank uh, Hargrove and Lou Boudreaux are ahead of him. And uh, just, uh, you know, it kind of like it stuck up on us, didn't it? didn't it? To me, Joe, I mean, you know, I guess he's, you know, this is his ninth year and, uh, you know, uh, nine straight winning seasons, 16 straight winning seasons as a big league manager overall. Um, and it just goes, you know, it goes to show you just what a great job the Indians have done here. You know, they're kind of, you know, it's not with, without a lot of fanfare. They, you know, with a, with a, you know, a low budget and, uh, you know, not a lot of fan support. They don't knock the turnstiles down uh, because, you know, they're not drawing 2 million fans a year, even, you know, close to that. And uh, they just keep putting winning, winning teams on the field. And I really think uh, Francona is a part of that. Uh, I, I remember vividly when I wrote him off in 2016 <laughs> after, you know, Carrasco and Salazar were hurt and uh, Kluber pulled his hamstring and, and, uh, and Francona said, Hey, we're just going to figure it out. And they did, and they got to game seven of the World Series. And I think that's been his philosophy all along. And that's why, you know, I think they'll get through this current rash of injuries as, you know, that way as well. Yeah, the, uh, the best thing that I heard Terry Francona say when we asked him about, you know, what it, what it means to him about the 700 victories. And, and we all know that, you know, the answer to that is, hey, I, I just love, you know, coaching the team and being around the guys and all that. We've heard it a million times from him. But the best thing that he said was, I love Cleveland. I love being here. Uh, I love this situation. And, and we really believe that. We, we, we've seen it, you know, just how genuine he is and how sincere he is about loving being here and around the people that he's with. And, uh, you know, as long as he wants to keep going, man, just let him keep going because uh, it's, it's been good for Cleveland. It's been good for Cleveland baseball. It's been good for the franchise and good for the city. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. And he had a good teacher. His dad loved playing in Cleveland. He said, uh, you know, he played 15 years in the big leagues. And I remember talking to him. He said Cleveland was his best stop ever. You know, people treated him great here. And I think, you know, he told he told uh, Tito that as well, that, you know, that this is a good place to uh, play and manage. All right. Before we get going, I uh, wanted to talk about I guess the talk of the league right now is the uh, the play yesterday in a game between the Cubs and the Pirates. Javier Baez, uh, they they call him they call him the magician, uh, and and that's usually for his work with with the glove. But yesterday it was on a ground out to third base that he was running down to first, and then then just decided to stop. Uh, he ran back towards home plate. Uh, the runner from second base came all the way around to score as the the Pittsburgh Pirates defense, the uh, the first baseman, the catcher, uh, the right fielder, the second baseman had no clue what was going on. The first baseman, instead of just stepping on the bag and getting the force out to end the inning, when it wouldn't have mattered who came across the plate or what, uh, instead of doing that, he ran Baez back to home plate, tried to throw the runner out at home, and then the ball gets thrown into the right field. Uh, you know, the Keystone Cops music, uh, the, the routine comes on, and Everybody's running around the bases. Uh, eventually, Baez is safe at second base because nobody's covering first. Uh, just a crazy play. And uh, who do you feel worse for, 
you know, you mentioned Derek Shelton, the the Pittsburgh manager, yeah. uh, the the infielders for Pittsburgh. I, I just it, it was just a display of absolute futility on Pittsburgh's part. I don't really think uh, Bias did anything special or should be praised for what what he did because uh, Pittsburgh screwed up. Yeah, I mean, all the guy, all the first baseman had to do was either tag Bias or step on the bag and uh, step on first base. And the play is over. There's nothing, uh, nothing happens. I mean, but you know, he got tricked into to, he lured into following him back toward home play. That and uh, we were talking before uh, with the podcast. Robbie Alomar used to do that a lot uh, mm-hmm. when he would play for the Indians. He would stop and kind of backtrack. And but you know, I talked to an umpire about that, and he said, you know, if he if he continued to backtrack, I would eventually call him out. So, but that never happened on this play, obviously. Right. Yeah. I guess there, there's different rules between, you know, the majors and, uh, you know, like high school and college in high school and college. Once you take that step back towards home plate, you're, you're out automatically for giving up. That's it, he doesn't have to do anything else, but I guess in, in the big leagues, uh, the, the play continues for exactly that reason, I guess, is what we saw. But yeah, I, I, I just, I find it hard to give Javi Baez credit for, you know, something like that when it's it's basically just the ineptitude of the Pittsburgh defense more than anything else. Yeah, that's, uh, that's like not not knowing the rules or not. What, right. I mean, no, these guys play baseball every day. I mean, that's all they do. Think about it. You, you know, your son is playing baseball. I mean, I want, I, you know, the, these kids got to start playing when they start six years old. Right. Right. Yeah. They, they, and, we start and, them in T-ball at four. Big, that's. Yeah, the big leagues, you, you don't roll out of bed and just make the big leagues without ever playing a, a but, game. But maybe you just take for granted that plays are going to go certain ways when they have – I mean, how many thousands of ground balls hit to the third baseman yeah. have you seen? And and they all have the same result. Well, this is the the, the one anomaly, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it, a fundamental understanding of the rules as well. I mean, no matter how, how many runners come across the plate on that situation – as long as you have that force out at, at first base, that run won't count. Right. But once that once that runner reaches first base safely, then you know all bets are off. So I don't know. It's uh, it, it's just <laughs> interesting to watch. Uh, to me, I, I think we're, the the media and the, the national talking heads are are trying to pray, uh, heap all this praise on Bias for the play. Uh, really, I just think the onus was on the defense there. Oh uh, yeah. And poor, like we said, poor Derek Shelton. I mean, how could, that's got to be like Casey Stingle managing what the sixty, yeah, the sixty uh, Mets or the sixty-one Mets. Yeah. I mean, good. Bad, I know he said gone. that is never going to happen again, and I hope he's right. But <laughs> if if it, if it does, somebody's got to go, don't they? Right. Somebody. That, I felt bad for that first baseman. He looked, you know, he kind of lumbered after Baez. I felt like I don't know. It just. Well, you stick around long enough, you see, you'll see you see everything in a game. That's what uh, makes baseball so. great. What did, what did McKenzie say uh, when he got sent down? Or he was yo-yoing back and forth. Hey, that's what makes baseball such a beautiful game, Tristan McKenzie. <laughs> I, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm not thinking beauty in that game when, uh, when I see that play uh, happening in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, all right. If the, uh, if the game happens tonight, we've got Eli Morgan against the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, looking forward to that in a, in a, a Memorial Day weekend. We got a doubleheader on the other side uh, on Monday, so we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you then. 
Hoinsey, great to talk to you, and we'll catch you again on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe.